Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, brought to you by Everag Insights. Each week we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Today is Tuesday, March 14th. May 23 corn is up seven, trading six twenty and a half. May 23 soybeans are up four and a half, trading 14.95 and three quarters. With us today is Kristen Steen. Kristen is a grain market advisor in the greater Cedar Rapids area with Everag. Welcome to the show and thanks for joining us this week, Kristen. Thanks, Britt. Excited to be here. Wonderful. Well, there's been a lot of activity in the corn and soybean market here as of late with both markets selling off on both the new and old crop contracts rather significantly in the last 10 days to two weeks. As we look at some of the reasons why this sell-off could be, one of the first things that comes to mind is the WASDE report. We had a WASDE report released from the USDA, and shortly thereafter, this market really started to show signs of weakness on both the corn and soybean front. One of the big announcements coming from that were some of the cuts to export expectations on the domestic front to the tune of 75 million bushels, something that maybe the trade expected to see, but might have been a bit more extreme than originally thought was coming in one single month. To offset that, though, we also had news that Argentina, that the crop in Argentina continues to go from kind of bad to worse, and the USDA took a really big cut there. So there's been a lot going on on the domestic front, let alone what's been going on globally. And there's been a lot of talk as to whether Ukraine and Russia would be able to reach an agreement, whereas Ukraine is able to allow for the free flow of grain out of that region. And that's kind of where I want to start, Kristen, because that was something that hit the news wires a little bit yesterday and both a little bit today. So Russia has agreed to extend the trade deal, allowing for grain to flow out of Ukraine. As I understand it at this moment, it's still up for debate whether it's a 60-day agreement or a 120-day agreement, but nonetheless, there's been an agreement reached. How do you think that's having an impact on the markets both today and a little bit more long-term as we think about the global flow of grain? So markets today have actually responded a little bit more positively. I would say yesterday was uh, the initial reaction from that. Right. Because essentially, at the end of the day, if Russia and Ukraine can export their goods and services, it takes a lot of pressure off of our markets from that standpoint. I think um, the, the big question or there's a few big questions that loom around that still. Right. One, how much of a cut is going to be made with Ukrainian acres that are planted here because of all the chaos that's going on during that war? And does that actually relieve pressure from uh, the, the world grain flow? Or does that just continue to add on it, even if there is a trade agreement? You know, and, and then two, from that standpoint, why haven't they confirmed? Why hasn't the UN confirmed whether there's an actual deal? You kind of alluded to it. A little bit of it is, is it a 60-day agreement, a 120-day agreement? I think a lot of people involved right now are thinking that's the issue there. But I think just the question around it has lent, lended itself to a little bit of support in this market here today, too. So, I mean, 
at the end of the day, Russia has a ton of wheat to sell, right? They've got to get rid of that product. And we and we saw a lot of pressure come from that. And, and the fact that we thought things were going to come around in this grain deal. And so if they do continue to are, are continuing to be able to export their their grain, what does that say for the wheat market? And then all the following markets that kind of coincide with wheat. It's definitely maybe a question that has more questions than answers. And yeah, we all begin sure. to speculate around how this could play out. But you, you mentioned exports. And I want to go there next on two fronts. It's been the headlining conversation in the corn market. But for a change today, we got some good news on the export front. It was announced this morning that China purchased some U.S. corn, 612 million metric tons of U.S. corn for delivery to China for the 22-23 marketing year. Certainly a welcomed, decent-sized sale. What do you make of that? And what are your thoughts on just the U.S. export market in general? Look, at, at the end of the day, China's coming to the market because they're starting to get concerned about what they can buy from South America. Primarily, when you sit there and see the expectations out of Argentina get cut, then it's, okay, where else are we going to get this? And, and so while the USDA cutting our exports in the last WASDE report last week was a bit of a shock, but not really, because we all knew we were behind on exports, but it was shocking that they did as much as they did when they did it. You know, a lot would argue there was there was some more room to go going forward. So maybe that starts to tighten up how much room there really is if we start to become the play because of what weather's doing down there. I think one of the things that we need to keep in mind is going forward, what does the value of our dollar do in relation to that as well? Because that's certainly going to impact things there. So as we look at exports, I mean, on corn, we've got room to grow room to export that way, be just from where our current balance sheet was. But at the end of the day, we also have to sit there and consider as we go into spring and into the summer months, how does that truly end up or how does the ending stocks down in South America truly end up? And is this something that China will truly end up purchasing the physical and accepting the physical bushels for us? Or are we just a hedge just in case? what everybody thinks is thinking comes through to fruition. It is interesting. You mentioned Argentina and the dramatic cuts that the USDA made to their production. Again, not maybe a surprise given where some of the independent private analysts are, but the USDA has typically slow rolled those types of cuts. To me, what's really intriguing, and I'd love to hear your take on this, is as we look at the big players in the corn market, The U.S. certainly sits at top of the throne in number one, Brazil, number two, Argentina, number three. We discussed at length the uh, situation there. Number four is Ukraine. There's rumors that they've only got 30 to 35 percent of the inputs needed in order to put a crop in. So there's certainly a lot of questions there. It seems to me that the U.S. and Brazil are largely going to bear the burden of supplying the globe with corn in the coming year. Certainly. Yeah, it makes you wonder if the the American farmer's back is starting to hurt from the weight that they're carrying on that standpoint. I mean, to your point, that's 
that's the estimate from Ukraine that we've heard so far. And I think the generous side is that they're going to get half of their acres planted as what they normally do. Those are big plays on the market, right? And so we're not out of the woods yet. For for the guy that's feeling panicked right now, I mean, rightfully so. The market's taken a big chunk out of this price for you. But at the end of the day, we're we're not done with our supply issues yet. I think that's a really good point. There's been a lot of discussion around the demand side of the balance sheet, and rightfully so, given the time of year. But production is going to start to become more of a forefront discussion as we start thinking about the growing season at that safrina crop that is actively getting planted or has you know just been planted and is probably starting to emerge down there the US doesn't feel like it today sitting uh in a you know balmy 25 degrees in southwest wisconsin but planting is only about a month away potentially in a lot of areas, less than that. So production is certainly going to be something that the market begins to focus in on as we move forward. As we're thinking about planting, as we're thinking about warmer weather, as we anticipate sunshine and 70 degrees, Kristen, what are, what's, some of the, what's your biggest piece of advice you have for producers as we move into what undoubtedly will be a very volatile market? Well, you hit the nail on the head there, right? We're sitting at a time where, I mean, next year's supply is already a conversation as well as the demand of that, right? The U.S. Ag Outlook Forum was kind of the the catalyst that started the free fall that we're in right now. And then there's been stories around our economy, which affects your demand. And, and it's just been this back and forth. And it does lead you to sit there and say, okay, what do I need to be focusing on right now? We're planting is right around the corner and we're about ready to get into a spot where the farmer is extremely busy and at a seasonal time where it's time to be selling, right? So the main focus that we're encouraging producers to take a look at right now is how do I need to be protected and what type of a plan do I need to implement so that when I'm in my busy season, I'm ready to execute upon it. And what I mean by that is as you're sitting there and finishing that fine tuning of your cost of production, right? You're sitting there and you're able to visualize what the risk is to your own specific farm should the market continue to fall out, right? I don't I don't know if we're there yet, but by golly, let's make sure we have some sort of a floor underneath us to help protect against that. Because at the end of the day, I'd like to think that we have support in the market, but going into planting on a hope and a prayer isn't necessarily the, the way we want to go about that, right? So have that floor underneath and then have some strategically placed targets that should we actually see and realize a, a rally from here that we're able to capitalize it, on it during a time that you're super busy, right? And don't have much time to focus on the marketing side because you're focused on the production side. So our biggest encouragement right now as we're going in as we're watching the producer go into planting season is let's get that plan in place so you're able to go and do what you love best and we can execute on the rest of it as it comes our way. Kristen, it sounds eerie similar to an offering we have here at Everag, our Grain Foundations program. So great advice by the way, Kristen. I mean, super sound advice as we move into a busy time of year when you know, oftentimes producers are distracted by all of the, the fires in front of them, if you will. So great advice. Thanks for sharing that. It was a pleasure having you on today, Kristen. If listeners would like to learn more 
about Everag Risk Management Solutions. How can they do so? Yeah, so feel free in our uh, bio to click on the link to ever.ag is where you'll find our website and it'll pull up an array of different options to kind of look through, okay, what is it that you're specifically looking for? And then maybe some contact information for, for your grain marketing advisor that's closest to you as well. Excellent. Thank you again, Kristen. We appreciate your time. Certainly appreciate your insights. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Britt. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furrow, subscribe to our podcast, share it with a friend, or give us a review. Thank you to Corey Romero, our wonderful producer, and Paige Driscoll for mixing and mastering today's show. Music